episode 61 of Coffee with the Coach. Michael, what's on your mind right now about the NFL? There's a lot on my mind, Jeff. And you know what? It's not even about the NFL. I mean, anybody that watches Jeff will know, obviously, he's a big deal over in North America <laughs> as well. Uh, tonight, Jeff, you're playing, well, early Friday morning, UK Ireland time, 1.30 a.m., you're playing against Winnipeg. It's on Sky Channel 423, BT Sport ESPN. Uh, I'm not sure what that is on Virgin, but I'll find out for people as well. Uh, big game for you, Jeff, starting the season off tonight. Yeah, we got the defending Grey Cup champions at their place. And you can see outside the window of my hotel room, uh, Mike, it's an eerie place right now because there's so much fire smoke out here in Western Canada. Uh, you know, they've had forest fires all over the West in, in the United States and North America and Canada. And smoke has caused an eerie, it's almost a gray, you know, we're, we're uh, what should be a beautiful morning here is cloudy and uh, the air quality is not good. As a matter of fact, they've had to cancel a couple practices in training camp because of the air quality. So it'll be interesting in that stadium tonight. It'll be a full stadium. Uh, they're allowing any fully vaccinated person uh, to come to the stadium. They'll, they'll have a uh, packed stadium. They're unveiling their Grey Cup banner. They waited 29 years to win a Grey Cup last year, and they're doing a banner unveiling right in front of us before the game starts. So there'll be a lot of emotion on that sideline. Well, I look forward to FaceTiming you, Jeff, uh, at around 1.30 a.m. our time to see if you answer during the game. But uh, obviously the Hall of Fame game is in Sky Sports main event tonight around the same time. So if there is a break in the game, if you're watching either, try to tune in to both. And I'll be looking forward. I've got BT Sports, so I, I'll, be watching, I'll be watching both anyway, Jeff. And I can't wait to see how the special teams and all work out tonight. I have good news for you, though. Big news. What's up? We're going to a Premier League game next weekend, uh, next Saturday in Manchester. And unfortunately... One of those teams is Leeds next Saturday at lunchtime. So, uh, what do you mean, unfortunately, one of those teams? What do you mean, unfortunately, <laughs> one of those teams is Leeds? I'm joking. No, I'm going over. So, I'll, uh, I'll have to send you a few pictures. And if anybody is in Manchester, give me a shout. But uh, I have never seen Leeds play. So, I'm looking forward to seeing how dirty, as you said, Leeds can truly be. So, I, I, I you're in for a treat because Bielsen gets them to play hard. They play a real fun, uh, I think, an outstanding kind of football, if you will, to watch. They press the issue all the time. And uh, you know, I think you'll enjoy them. I, bring me back a little souvenir from your time over there watching my, my dirty leads. I will try and do that. And Stuart Dallas, for anybody wondering in my accent, is actually from the next village over from me, big leads player. Uh, right, Jeff, we're, we're going to do this for three or four minutes and we've got three or four questions. And then Richard Graves is coming on in about 10 minutes. Uh, talk on it overnight, Jeff. I just like I was up late last night and I missed this. Eagles, Texans, Deshaun Watson. What's your what's your thoughts on that? Well, you know, obviously there's interest in Deshaun Watson around the league, and he, the Eagles and and uh, are a team that might be able to pull the thing off in terms of what the Texans are looking for. Because the Texans are uh, Texans are not going to let him go easy. It's going to be it's going to cost a lot of draft pick collateral, and it's going to cost player probably. Um. I, I think for the Texans, they've got to be in a hurry to get him out of the building because it's a huge distraction. David Culley, first-time head coach, has to deal with something like this. You know, um, he was not at padded practice the other day. Uh, he was not uh, in attendance. And, you know, you can imagine, uh, Mike, what it's like when your face of the franchise 
is in the building and you know he doesn't want to be there. You don't really want him to be there under the same under the current you know conditions where he's got all that stuff hanging over his head, the legal stuff, his you know determination to get out of town. Uh, you know, I, I, I'm, I've heard reports that he you know they've put him on the scout team as a tight end, on the defensive scout team as a safety. You know, I, I, but regardless, that is a huge huge distraction that that team doesn't need. And the Eagles, you know, how would you like to be Jalen Hurts and have to be at practice every day trying to grow into being, you know, the face of the Eagles franchise? And you've got to deal with questions in the media every day about, well, did you know that? Or how do you feel about that? And all of that, all of the distractions that go with it. So I think for, for everybody concerned, the sooner this thing gets taken care of, the better. But it's the legal shadow that's the one that, that is the hardest one for me to, to really say, hey, you know, this deal could get done tomorrow. You know, I mean, if it's yeah. done, there's a lot of questions about what's going on because, you know, there's multiple, multiple people that have come forward and, and uh, want to take him into criminal court, which is, you know, you're talking about a really, really tough situation. And then the league hasn't decided what it's going to do relative to a suspension. Absolutely. I, I, I can't see him being in Philadelphia week one. Like, I, I think Deshaun Watson's time will come next season in, in, in the offseason. It's going to be a hell of an offseason next year, but there's football to play first. First game, obviously, tonight, the Hall of Fame game, Jeff. Um, one thing that came up before that during the week was the possibility of uh, your man Cole Beasley's team, the Buffalo Bills, moving to Austin, Texas. Am I the only person that thought that was crazy, or do, could you actually see that happen? I think that's absolutely that's crazier than crazy <laughs> to me. I mean, can it, I, I just the Bills are so embedded in Western New York, and obviously this is another one of those stadium issue things. Uh, the Pagulas, who are Western New York people. Uh, the owners of the Bills, you know, they want a new stadium. Obviously, you know, Rich Stadium, uh, I call it Rich Stadium because that was its original name, is is an antiquated facility. It's still a, you know, still a big, beautiful stadium. But, you know, now you look around the league and, you know, look what the Raiders have, look what the Rams have, look what the Chargers have. And it's an arms race. And it's, uh, you know, it's just a tough situation for them and for the taxpayers of Western New York, because somebody's going to have to fit the bill for this thing. The politicians in Western New York recognize that they, you know, they want a new stadium for the bills. They want a permanent home for the bills, a classier home for the bills. Um, but it all costs money. And, you know, I think it'll get done, but I think we're going to see one of those, you know, situations where it's going to be, adversarial, if you will, between the politicians and the football team. And, you know, the bills are so hot right now. They got another issue, Mike. And I think this one's more, more of a distraction to me than the stadium and whether they're going to go to Austin, Texas, which they aren't going to Austin, Texas, um, is Josh Allen's contract. Right. I mean, pay them on Jeff. Huh? Pay them on. Pay them. Uh, absolutely. Absolutely. You got to pay the man. There's no question. You got to pay the man. And, you know, this is why the Super Bowl window can close so fast on a team because, you know, you've got a guy on a rookie deal and it's manageable and you can go out and put weapons around that guy. 
But then when he gets to his second contract, now, you know, it's really, really much tougher to fit all of that underneath the cap. And, you know, the capologists and the agents and the player, they're all going to be creative. I think Josh Allen wants to be in Buffalo. I think he recognizes that, you know, there's a comfort zone there with the offense. There's a comfort zone there with the community. He's a small, you know, he grew up in a small town, Northern California, went to the University of Wyoming. You know, he's not a bling bling guy, but, you know, money talks and, and uh, his age is going to press for the kind of contract that he's worth. And when Aaron Rodgers, you know, got the deal he got, you know, it just, it, the bar never goes down, Mike. It never goes down. I'll tell you what, you're talking about the, the, the University of Wyoming. As a Broncos fan, I feel fantastic that he went to Wyoming and, you know, was just completely not thought of the year that he was drafted. But uh, here, there's loads of questions. We've got like five minutes here. <laughs> Jacksonville Jaguars, UK fans. Yeah, it looks like a new page. Uh, obviously, thank you very much for your message. April 2019, you were formed. Their question is, is Garner Minshew a QB1 if he gets a couple of seasons of good coaching? Is, is, am I actually right in thinking there's a couple of things coming out about big, big Trev in, uh, in training camp? He might not be playing 100% or what, what's going on? Well, I think that to me, the Jacksonville, this, I'm great that Jacksonville, I'm, I'm really happy, excuse me, that the Jacksonville fans, you know, have reached out to us because there's a lot of interesting stuff going on in Jacksonville's training camp right now. They, they, they got dinged a little bit for over-aggressive off-season work, uh, which is understandable because you know what urban meyer is used to in terms of off-season work in college football compared to what's what's you know permissible underneath the collective bargaining agreement that's two different two completely two different animals so i'm i'm sure that that was a learning process for him but mike i saw something that absolutely fascinated me about his approach to cut down in the national football league and i think this is going to get under a microscope with the with the collective bargaining agreement and the players association because he's put players in competitive one-on-one situations where <clears throat> for example tim tebow and another tight end are, are competing for a, a roster spot at the at the bottom of the roster and so he puts them in one-on-one drills and announces the winner and loser and so that it's all about having a record as a winner, you know, as a winner. And I think that the approach is fascinating to me because it's very, 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 very different where you would keep track of something like that, unless it was maybe a quarterback and they, they chart his completions every day or a kicker and the competition with kickers where, they, you know, you was good with so many off the right hash, so many off the left hash in comparison to his competition, but to break the positional drills down into, you know, okay, now they're going to be in a special teams blocking drill, which it was because Tebow and, and these bottom of the roster guys, they're going to be the special teams core for, for the Jaguars. So rather than make it speculative, well, I kind of like that guy better. He's putting them in a one-on-one situation and evaluating them apples to apples, which I think is really, really an interesting, an interesting way of doing it. And it's not the NFL way of doing it. It's more of a college approach. Um, you know, this, the collective bargain agreement, the NFL Players Association banned what was called Oklahoma drill. That was that old one-on-one, you know, two guys 
put their hand on the ground and one tries to block the other and the other one tries to tackle the running back, which was a favorite of NFL coaches for years. Marty Schottenheimer always was the first drill he did in training camp every year. Um, this the Players Association got that banned from practice. And now it'll be interesting to see what they feel about these approaches where, you know, it's, it was a special teams blocking drill where one guy was covering the kick and the other guy was trying to, you know, block it. And, you know, it was a winner and loser deal. And I thought, wow. And then they announced it like over the loudspeaker at training camp. So it was like a tennis match, one, nothing, Tim Tebow, one, one, and, and it ended in a tie. So there was no winner anyway. And they went two, two, but I think that's really a cool approach. I'm fascinated to see how those Jaguars are going to change. Now to get to the Minshew question, I think Minshew, I think Minshew has the ability to be a starting quarterback in the national football league. And I think he's got a little bit of that stuff that you look for that magic, that, that uh, leadership stuff. He's a little bit, um, he reminds me of a young Ryan Fitzpatrick in a lot of ways. He's kind of a riverboat gambler. He's a fun guy to be around. He's a, irreverent you know he's a really popular with his teammates so I'm kind of a Minshew fan in terms of Trevor Lawrence there's no question that Trevor Lawrence is the future there now he's not had by all reports the kind of training camp that people maybe expected of him but again he's been he had surgery in the offseason it's new to him so I think we got to exercise a little patience when it comes to Trevor Lawrence we've got time for a few more questions before we get Richard on Max Hitch from the UK goes from one rookie QB to another, Trey Lance. He says, the 49ers quarterback situation, Jeff, discuss. <laughs> well, you know, that's a that's another fascinating battle that's going on right now. And, you know, I, I saw some stuff from 49er fans on, on Twitter about, and it was actually from the Shant Club, which is a, a big 49er uh, podcast, that, that, that uh, NFL podcast that, I've, I've been on a couple of times and, and uh, you know, those, those guys are 49er, you know, Nick is a 49er through and through guy. And he was frustrated. He, ex he expressed frustration about the way 49er fans are kind of discarding Jimmy Garoppolo. And, you know, and then, you know, it's all Trey Lance is the hot new toy. And, you know, you, you really, it makes it so difficult when you're putting a football team together, when you have these kind of situations, it's positive on one hand because you get great competition at the position, but you know, you don't, you really have to make a decision and go forward. And I think that's what Shanahan's going to do. Um, they didn't draft Trey Lance to, to be a backup. They drafted him to be the future of the franchise. As soon as he can, I think as soon as he can show that he can take the team and lead it. And let me just say this, Doing it in practice and doing it in game are two completely different things. So how he does in training camp, I think, will really be interesting in when we get to the preseason games, because I would think he will get the lion's share of the work in preseason. And if he's able to lead that offense in preseason games, and maybe maybe not the first one, because the first one, a lot of time, um, and I, I think this is interesting for the fans, the defensive coordinators don't even game plan the first preseason game because you're still so involved in the installation of your defense. So you're just going to play basic stuff. But when he gets into second and third preseason games and he's, and people start to game plan him a little bit, 
that's when I think we'll see just where he is and we'll see where, and I'm sure Garoppolo will get some reps in those, in those second and third training camp games. Um, then we'll get a clearer picture about what's going to happen there. Um, you know, obviously Lance is extremely talented. We've seen some snippets of throws out of training camp in San Francisco. Um, but, you know, to, as they say in boxing, <clears throat> to be the champion, you got to knock the champion out. You're not going to win on points, right? And I think that's going to be – Trey Lance going to have to knock Jimmy Garoppolo out in preseason. Sir Emmett Donlin in Ireland, the Emerald Isle, says, Jeff, how do you think Johnny Smith and Henry will change the New England offense? And is Jones able to challenge Cam for that starting spot, in your opinion? Another another fan from the Emerald Isle. I love it. Ireland, we've got a lot of good NFL fans in Ireland, don't we? Man, we are representing I know you're on the Under Center podcast tonight as well, so you're, you're a busy man with, with, with the Irish, isn't it? Well, let, let's talk about what the evolution, if you want to, or maybe it's the de-evolution of the Patriot offense. You know, the Patriots have always been an offense that features the tight end. And, you know, you go back to a young, a young Gronkowski and, uh, you know, he was such a, such a dynamic part of that offense. And I think last year they just did not have a tight end that was a viable threat in that offense. So they went out and got John o. Smith and, you know, they, they brought people in. I think they're going to go back. You'll, you'll see it uh, go back to maybe what it was more like um, in the, in the, you know, 10 or 15, not, not 10, maybe 10 years ago within the Patriot offense. And, and uh, you know, it's just, the tight end position right now is so critical in the National Football League because it is a position where you can create mismatches. You can, you know, obviously those are tight ends that can both block and catch. And so, you know, for a young quarterback or for a quarterback like Cam Newton, that having, having multiple tight ends and the ability to, you know, control the line of scrimmage, to get into max protection with the tight end, to use them on in the intermediate passing game, uh, I think that's really going to be a critical part of the of the advance of those quarterbacks. About Jones, <clears throat> you know, I I was not a big Mac Jones fan in the draft. Uh, you know, again, I I think he's a very good quarterback. I'm not I'm not down on the guy. I just didn't think he was as talented as some of the other guys that were available in the draft. Um, but I will tell you this. He's accurate. He's got enough athletic ability. He's got enough arm talent. Um, he is very much more a old school NFL quarterback than the guys we see predominantly now in the league. But uh, again, the Patriots did pretty good for a lot of years with a quarterback that didn't wasn't particularly athletic. And, you know, he has a lot of Brady-esque traits. He's very smart. He's a he's a gym rat. He loves football, you know. Um, he understands what it means to protect the football. You know, he's, he's not going to be a guy that at least his history is, he's not going to be a guy that's going to turn the ball over a lot. You know, he'll play within the scheme. Um, so it's a big jump though, from even from a place like Alabama to, to the national football league. So I would expect we'll see him somewhere during this season. But again, 
how 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 healthy is Cam? How much will Cam develop in a year? I I watched last year's film, Mike, and I'm gonna tell you something. He did not have much around him. That's true. But boy, 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 I, he just did not look at all like the Cam Newton that we had seen in Carolina. Before we get Richard on, just very quickly, Fred Flunk, will Deshaun Watson be traded before the trade deadline? I'm going to say no. Yes or no, Jack? My, my man Fred is always good because he's always he's, he's, he's with us every show. He's one of the original tribe members. And um, I, I, I can't see it. I, I just I think there's so much looming. Right. There's so much uncertainty for whoever would take on Deshaun Watson that they would have to have a comfort zone that they're going to get the player. You may, he may never play, Mike. I mean, seriously, there's so much involved in this thing. And, you know, when you're looking at the criminal charges thing, let's forget about the NFL suspension. If he goes to jail, he ain't playing. Right. And so you're taking a huge risk by, by taking on that guy. And you could say that the Eagles would say, yeah, well, um, we've got Jalen Hurts and we'll take a flyer. Well, I, I, I just can't see that happening. I think if they, if they trade for Watson, Jalen Hurts might be in the trade. And so that would certainly be an interesting one because, you know, why would you, why would you stock? I mean, you drafted Jalen Hurts that high to be your guy and, Yes, Deshaun Watson would be an upgrade, but then what do you do? It's just like right now what's going on. In, do you think that the Nick Foles, the Chicago Bears, wouldn't be – I mean, they would hire a private jet to get Nick Foles out and his contract out of town. I mean, that's just the way it is because that's a lot of money for a backup quarterback, right? Yes, sir. And, you know, so whether that's – you know, Nick falls to Indianapolis because he knows, you know, that he's got a relationship with Frank Reich. I mean, I don't know, but that's all the that's all the interesting things that are going on. All the, you know, the subplots to this this NFL preseason that are so much fun to watch. Let's see what happens, Jeff. And thanks to everybody for bringing the questions and get more in during the week as well. Uh, time for a guest, Jeff. Here is Richard Graves. Our 61st episode of Coffee with Coach. I am pleased, I'm beyond pleased, really, to welcome a guy that I consider a friend and one of the really, really good guys I know and an authority. And I, I'm, and I say that uh, with, uh, with certainty, an authority on the NFL. My guy, Richard Graves. Welcome, Richard. It's great to have you with us again. Wow, Jeff, that's that's quite an introduction. I might need you every time I'm doing something uh, on air. Now, seriously, I appreciate that. That means a lot. And it's great to see you as well, because do you realize it's been 18 months since we were last face to face chewing the fat and um, the pandemic obviously has disrupted a lot of things in life. But hopefully, fingers crossed, things are beginning to get a little bit better and heading in the right direction. Well, they certainly are, because I'm sitting in a team hotel right now waiting to play tonight and uh, uh you know, it's great to be back coaching again for you. And, and again, so that so many of our listeners and viewers and uh, we call the tribe are big fans of yours, as I am, and very, very interested on what's the future hold for Richard Graves and where can we 
continue to access your expertise and your knowledge and your takes. Well, new season around the corner, five weeks away from kickoff in the NFL season uh, and a new bright future as well for everyone concerned, not least me. Um, I, I decided to step the toe back into the world of self-employment and freelance media. Uh, I'd be keeping my hand in very much so with the NFL, obviously. And as a matter of fact, just a, a few hours ago, I launched my own new website, www.rdgmedia.uk. Go there, check it out. Um, and amongst a variety of things that I'll be uh, looking to host more live events, to do more, uh, explore more broadcasting opportunities. And uh, yeah, if you'll have me on your podcast a few more times, Jeff, I'll be jumping on here and joining you as the season progresses, no doubt. Well, that, that would be a guess because, you know, you and I uh, go back an awful long way and I've always really enjoyed the opportunity to talk football with you, to talk about the National Football League, and particularly to talk about those Cowboys because you... <laughs> You were never impartial when we talk, when we discussed the Cowboys. How, have you been following your team now? During the, how, how I know I said that's a that's a dumb question. I mean, how close have been you been following your team? You, you keep an eye on them. Um, it's never dull. Jerry always makes sure they're they're in the headlines uh, for whatever reason it, it might be, of course. But it, it's been a, a huge off season for for Dallas. Just if for no other reason than last year was such a letdown. You know they. Make the splash on the making coaching change. Out goes Jason Garrett. In comes Mike McCarthy because he's won the Super Bowl. He knows what it's all about. And of course, Dallas don't even win the division. They don't make the postseason. Dak Prescott goes down injured for two thirds of it. They lose their offensive line. And that defense, well, we spoke about it ahead of this year's draft. Historically, in franchise history, the worst defense the Dallas Cowboys have ever had. So they've obviously made a number of changes now. A new defensive coordinator has come in, Dan Quinn, the former head coach of the Atlanta Falcons. And there's going to be a lot of new personnel on the field come the start of uh, the new season in September. A lot of unknowns about Dallas as well. But I think it's quite interesting. I don't know whether or not you caught any of the, the footage from the start of training camp out there in Oxnard, California. But Jerry Jones and his tone as well towards the media, very much more um, embracing, if you like, acknowledging the role that they play, for good or bad, in the um, significance of the Dallas Cowboys um, globally. And there's a feeling now that this might be the, the last big push that Jerry Jones can make. It's a long time, 25 years since Dallas won a Super Bowl. They haven't even been back to the Super Bowl in that time. And you look at some of the teams, of course, that have not only been there, but won it as well. And Dallas will feel, hang on, there's something amiss here given the history and prestige and proud tradition of that franchise. Well, you bring up a lot of really good points when we start talking about the Cowboys, Richard. And, and uh, I really would like to make this, this segment as Cowboy-centric as we can. And obviously, that's one of the reasons we reached out to you to have you on the show, um, because you have, you know, interviewed Jerry Jones. You have been around that franchise. You've been in that building. You've been on that field. You, uh, you know, you've been in that locker room. You... you have a, a, I think a deeper appreciation maybe than a lot of people do for that team. And, and, you know, you talk about the defense and that's where I want to start because, you know, historically you go back to the days of, you know, the doomsday defense and, you know, Bob Lilly. And I mean, it, it's that Cowboys have always had flash on offense, but historically they played great defense, you know, and it, whether it's, you know, DeMarcus Ware or, you know, I mean, you could name 
like eons of great defenders in Dallas. And then for them to be as bad as they were last year, it certainly has to be an upgrade with the energy and the positive, you know, the positiveness of Dan Quinn running the show on defense now in Dallas. Yeah, well, I think, first of all, the organizations learned from 12 months ago and what they did in, in that offseason. Remember, they paid money to bring in the veteran defensive tackles. Gerald McCoy didn't make the start of the season with a ruptured tendon. In came Dontari Poe, and he was out of there inside six weeks of the season starting. So now they're very much looking to a, a younger, leaner defense, if you like, looking to the, the draft personnel. You know, they had 11 picks in April. I think they'd taken six players before they even looked towards the offensive side of the ball. Eight defensive players in total. So it's going to be a big season coming up for the likes of Tristan Hill, Neville Gallimore, and so on. Demarcus Lawrence unquestionably will be the deep leader of that defensive line. But it's interesting what you say about Dallas always having flash on the offensive side. And that's really where they get most of the attention. You look at this frame behind me here, the triplets with... Three Super Bowl tickets from the three Super Bowls between them. They won Irving, Smith, Aikman and co. But what's overlooked quite often in that Jimmy Johnson era is how good that defense was. And you'd speak to people in Dallas even now. You know you've worked in that city, Jeff. And people from that era feel that that, that defense was overlooked somewhat. It feels a little bit maligned because it never got any of the rave reviews or headlines. But everybody in Dallas there at that time knows the value of that side of the ball. And that's, I think, what they've looked to address this offseason. Like I say, there's a lot of unknowns out there because they've got so many rookie and untested players. But they're hoping that even if they can make that defense by NFL standards average this season, then with the talent they've got on the offensive side of the ball, that'll be able to take them to where they want to be. Well, I think, I think there's a possibility that that could happen, Richard. I really do, because I, I, I've watched the approach now, how, how the approach has changed with Quinn. Simplification of the defense. One of the things that created so many problems for Mike Nolan, Mike Nolan's a great football coach, but he brought in a very sophisticated, the kind of defense with all kinds of checks and communication and rechecks when you went to a different formation and all that it was more suited for veteran players, a group of guys who had been together for a long, long time. He didn't have that in Dallas. Obviously, early in the season, particularly, you could see huge mistakes in the back end, and those were typically communication mistakes. Guys didn't understand where they were supposed to be, where their help was, all that kind of stuff. I think with Dan Quinn, and I think this is one of the things that you know, you, you, you trace the history of Dan Quinn from Seattle where they were really a single high team played a very few fronts, but they got after your tail. That's what I think he's going to bring to the Cowboys. They'll be simpler, faster, better tacklers. Uh, and I, and I, and again, I think that with all of the young players that he got, that they've got, they're athletic. Now. They've gone out and proved themselves on all three levels in terms of athleticism. Now, simplification and just let them play. Yeah, and th this is a defensive side of the ball that's looking to turn the ball over. Over the last five or six years, it's something Dallas, quite frankly, have not been very good at. Trayvon Diggs led the team with three turnovers, three interceptions last season, and also got caught out trying to sneak a peek in the backfield a few times at, and got burned well. They brought in Kelvin Joseph, the second round pick this time around. A lot of similar qualities to what we saw and um, with Trayvon Diggs being taken in the second round last year 
of course. Joseph, fourth interceptions with Kentucky this time around, led the team there. You've also brought in competition for place, and I think this is key as well. You know, it wasn't that many years ago we were talking uh, about Jalen Smith and Layson Van Der Esch as being perhaps the future of the linebacking position in the NFL. Well, since then, over the last two years, their players dropped off markedly, and with Layson Van Der Esch, of course, he's had his own injury problems to deal with. So you bring in Keanu O'Neill, who seemingly, although being drafted a few years back as a safety, is now going to look to play more linebacker for the Cowboys. You bring in Mika Parsons, that first round pick this time around. And you know, as well as I do, quite often, you only have, ever have two linebackers on the field at any one time, Jeff. Well, there's four players competing for two spots. That's also something Dallas are hoping will bring out the very best in that position and the defense all round. Yeah, you know, and, and again, the linebacking core, when you look at that linebacking core, you know, Sean Lee had had been a tremendous player for the Cowboys for a long, long time. But, you know, again, father time gets everybody. And when you lose that, his and, and Rob Ryan talked to me about when he was in Dallas as a coordinator, how Sean Lee was like a coach on the field that could get everybody lined up who knew every part of the defense from front to back. Well, you, you start to, when that guy starts to fade in his career and now he's not on the field and, you know, when you're on, it's on the field that counts, right? I mean, the coaches can, can prepare you until you step over the white lines, but once you get over the white lines, you got to have guys on the field that, that have that ability. Van Der Esch has never, in my mind, has never developed to that level because he's, he's been battling that neck injury for so long in his career. And is that, is that not the irony, Jeff? Because yeah. the Cowboys drafted Leighton Van Der Esch because they were concerned that Sean Lee couldn't stay healthy and stay on the field. And apart from that rookie season when he flashed it and wowed everybody watching, he hasn't been able to stay on the field either. And that's a problem for Dallas and ultimately the reason why they didn't pick up that option year this time around. Well, I thought the move that to, to take Keanu Neal, who's one of the best hitting safeties in the National Football League, great tackler, and moving closer to the line of scrimmage in, quote, that hybrid linebacker safety position is really a smart move by the Cowboys because I think he'll flourish around the line of scrimmage. You know, with the rules the way they are now, uh, the Keanu Neal safeties of the world are, are <laughs> they're like dinosaurs, right? So, you know, take, but what he can do is become that hybrid linebacker safety guy. They've got guys that can run. And I think that'll, it, you know, when you look at Dan Quinn's success defensively, it's always been with guys that can run. Speed on defense has been a critical part for him. Uh, they've got some young guys up front that I think are going to be better. So I think the Cowboys defense will be significantly better. Now let's talk about where the, you know, let's talk about the shine of that offense because Richard, Man, oh man, oh man, do they have weapons on offense? Well, every position you look at on the field, I noticed only the other day, Pro Football Focus has the Dallas Cowboys offensive line ranked sixth in the entire NFL. Now, we all know how good it was when they were healthy several years ago. Last year, they didn't start the season with Lyle Collins. He was never healthy. Um, Tyron Smith only lasted a few games. Zach Martin did a calf. He went as well. And then Connor Williams was done before the season ended, which le left you with Tyler Biadesh as centre. Um, so it, it wasn't an easy time. Take Factor into that as well. Dak Prescott going out in week five uh, with that season-ending ankle injury. And suddenly you had Ben DiNucci running for his life in Philadelphia on Sunday night football. Not the ideal scenario, is it? Let, let's be honest. However... You, you get to training camp this time, 
The offensive line seems to have come back healthy, fit. Dak Prescott certainly has looked good. I know they're not going to play him in Canton for the Pro Football Hall of Fame game against the Steelers as they rest up that shoulder he tweaked earlier this week. Uh, but yeah, then you look at that wide receiving core. Amari Cooper, Michael Gallup, C.D. Lamb. And I've got to tell you, I think given the adversity we've just spoken about with the injuries that the Cowboys faced last season, I think C.D. Lamb's rookie season was off the charts. And if he can then make the leap this time around, watch out. Yeah, because you got, I mean, you talk about C.D. Lamb and, and, and the kind of year he had. You got to remember that he only had a legitimate starting quarterback throwing to him for the first five weeks of the season. And, you know, I, I really think his his future is extremely bright. Um, he gives them a guy when they drafted him. I really thought here's the guy that can be that move guy that can do so many things underneath that is so good after the catch. And uh, I think we're going to see that he's, he's one of the guys that I picked to have a gigantic second year. And as you know, he gets Dak back in the lineup. Um, when you looked at the Cowboys over those first five weeks, when Dak was behind center and in control of that offense, I mean, Richard, he, he was on pace for a career year. And I think he will be a guy that's going to come back with, uh, a chip on his shoulder, uh, you know, this will be a chance for him to prove that he's worth the money that they're paying him in Dallas. And really, I think this is, I look for him to have a great season. He's integral to, to this offense, Jeff. And we saw that last season. You mentioned the, the pace he was on in passing yards through five weeks last year. I think going into week seven, maybe even week eight, he was still the NFL's leader in passing yards, which gives you an idea of, the sort of level he was playing at, as we've already touched up upon. The, the problem wasn't, you know, offensive yards and scoring points for Dallas through the first five weeks last year. It was keeping the opposition out um, in, in their own end zone, and they simply couldn't do that. And, and like I say, if that Dallas defense can even be average, um, middle of the road, 19th, 20th in the league this time around, then with Dak Prescott back, a fit offensive line, and those weapons... You know, Blake Jarwin, don't forget him. He's going to be healthy again at tight end. He missed, missed a lot of last season. And I think all but one game in the end. Well, you know, there's going to be some headaches for defensive coordinators um, when they're planning to play Dallas this time around. You know, I'm glad you brought up Blake Jarwin because in my mind, he's an extremely underrated player. He's a very athletic tight end that can play both in line and outside, which, you know, obviously that's the trend now in the league. But um, you know, I, I think a lot of people overlook Blake Jarwin because of the fact there's so much around him, you know, because like you say, the focus is going to go to the quarterback first, then it's going to go to that receiving core. And you mentioned, you said a thin offensive line. As soon as I heard the word thin, the first thing that popped into my mind was how much better Ezekiel Elliott looks in training camp this year than last year. Yeah, I think that's a good point. And I think he's another player that's got a chip on his shoulder because, uh, you, you know, obviously we heard about Nick Chubb's new contract, team-friendly contract up there in Cleveland a, a week or so ago. That wasn't the case with Zeke Elliott and the Dallas Cowboys. Remember two seasons back when he didn't turn up for preseason training and held out until he got paid and kudos to his agent because that's a fantastic deal he got for his client. But quite frankly, Zeke Elliott hasn't played to the level that that contract 
suggests he should be playing over the last two years. And he turned the ball over maybe, was it five times in total last year? Five fumbles. One of those, he didn't even get touched and he coughed up the ball. And well, that's, never, that's never been that's never been his history. I mean, that he was guys that didn't put it on the ground. Yeah, prior to last season, he'd only turned the ball over twice in a season. That, that was as bad as it got last year. It you know it was symbolic of the Dallas Cowboys as an organization. It was shambolic, wasn't it? Really. So he's come back. He knows he's got to play better. He knows he's got a point to prove. How many 20-yard-plus runs can you recall Zeke Elliott breaking last season? In his rookie year, he broke them for fun. He wowed us, hurdling uh, defensive players. Well, it was yards after contacts that he didn't really make much of either last, last time around. So he's come back looking leaner, fitter, meaner. It, uh, it remains to be seen how he plays once they get on the field. But, boy, I've got to tell you, Jeff, if this offensive unit can stay healthy and plays to the level that we all think in the media that they're capable of, watch out. This is going to be something else. Well, it's amazing, isn't it, when there's competition, how guys can somehow, like, redefine what's important in their careers. Because I thought I thought Zeke was fat. I just, he looked lethargic last year. I thought uh, he there was no jump in his step. You know, there was no... No, the his except, no burst through the hole. That was yeah, the exactly. I one hundred percent. But I think one of the reasons why, and there's always a lot of reasons, but the emergence of Pollard, I think, was is is now there's a new sheriff in town. He's competing against a young player, and I thought Pollard was by far their best back last year. Yeah, I absolutely agree, and you touched upon it again there. The word competition. We talked about that on the defensive side of the ball. And quite clearly, Dallas already have that on the offensive side of the ball now in most positions. You know, it, in Pollard, he flashed last year. He flashed enough for people to take notice. And the season went on. He got more and more playing time. And, you know, initially it was explained away. Uh, we're just looking after Zeke. We need to spell him during the course of games. Towards the back end of the season, quite frankly, they were putting their best player out on the field. And that wasn't Zeke Elliott. Uh, and I think that may be certainly everyone in Dallas hopes um, it's the case, is why we're seeing a, a slightly different seat this time around. And if you can get the best 10% out of every player, then you're going to be a good team, no doubt. All right, I got to ask you a question. Do you have your cowboy boots on? <laughs> Not right now, no, Jeff. I'm going to disappoint uh, you. All right, because I wasn't going to ask for a prediction if you had your cowboy boots on, because I know you. then, then you were totally swayed and, and you were – but – Tell me what you think. What's the expectation level this year around that Cowboy team? It's playoffs as a minimum. Make no mistake about it. This team expects to win the NFC East. Um, and why shouldn't they when you look at the competition? They, you know, Philadelphia have fallen off a cliff somewhat, um, and there's still plenty of talk around the league that they could be um, trying to put together a trade for Deshaun Watson, a quarterback from the Houston Texans. At the moment, that's Jalen Hurts' job. Um, but we'll see how that goes. Obviously, um, they made some moves in, in the draft to try and improve both sides of the ball as well. But Smith, the wide receiver, is already missing portions of training camp with, with an injury that he's picked up. Um, yeah, look, it, it's a, a, new, a season of change, I think, is the best way to put it for the Philadelphia Eagles. New coach, new staff, new personnel. And quite frankly, I don't think anybody's all that sure what to expect from Philly just because... The Eagles aren't usually that team. You know, you look at the Andy Reid years, um, and that was an 
era of stability when they were always competing. They had a, a blip, of course, but then they went to the Super Bowl. And, you know, this time last year, we were talking about them as possible winners of the East and they finished rock bottom. So, yeah, I think we could be in for a difficult year if you're following the Eagles this time around. Well, now, let's talk about that division, right? Because, you know, the Giants are, should be a better football team. A really interesting training camp going on going on with the Giants and Joe Judge. I would, but we could talk about that at another time. But I think Washington's a team that, that will factor in this race too. So, you know, uh, Dallas can't mail it in. I think this is this will be an exciting race in the NFC East. Yeah, and that's what we saw last season, wasn't it? Nobody gave the, the Washington football team a chance come opening week. But then, of course, Ron Rivera does what Ron Rivera does best and puts together a strong defensive unit. And now, now I think you can make a case that Washington has a, a top five defense in the entire National Football League. So they've brought in a bit of Fitz magic as well at quarterback, veteran experience there to try and make the offensive side of the ball tick. And it, it, you could be argued that Washington are trying to do the opposite of Dallas, where Dallas wants to get a, a defense that can see them through and rely on the offensive side of the ball. I think in Washington that you know what they say, and Ron Rivera will say that from his Chicago Bears days and then taking the Panthers to the Super Bowl, defense wins championships. Well, he doesn't need to worry about that defense in Washington because that's an elite unit right now. He just needs the offensive side of the ball to be able to look after it and put points on the board. Then you look up uh, the East Coast to the New York football giants. Well, <laughs> you touched upon it there, what, what's been going on in training camp with the mass brawl. Uh, I think what worries Joe Judge more than anything else is that uh, <laughs> that his quarterback decided to get involved at, at the end. There's a reason you wear a red shirt and it's so you don't get touched. Do not insert yourself into areas of the field where you are not required. So yeah, for Daniel Jones, this is a, a big year. He's got to stay healthy first and foremost. And look, if he doesn't perform, then it could be that 12 months from now, we're talking about the Giants looking to uh, go down a new new route with a with the quarterback position. But the offensive line worries me, quite frankly, with the Giants. I don't think for the change in personnel that that's a, an area of the team that's particularly improved. They've obviously brought in Golladay at wide receiver to give, um, give, give them a, another weapon out there. But um, Saquon Barkley's the key. And can, can he be healthy? Will he be healthy and fit? Well, I think the jury's out on that one. Well, it's not going to be very much longer, and we're going to know the answers to all those questions, Richard. And, and you know, as always, it is absolutely awesome to talk ball with you. It's uh, one of the things that I want to continue to do over the course of the season with you. I loved your insights on the Cowboys, and, you know, it, it's one of – the Cowboys of, are one of the, you know, I, I guess you'd say preeminent iconic franchises in the National Football League, and and uh, obviously you're a huge fan and, and – dialed in to, to uh, what's going on in Dallas. So thanks so much for coming on the show again. And, and uh, again, good luck when, in the future. One more time, hit us with where fans can uh, access your information. Well, my Twitter feed hasn't changed. That's still there at Richard Graves one, but our new website as well. Now, www.rdgmedia.uk will be there as well. Looking to expand content as the season progresses. And yeah, as always, a pleasure being on the show, Jeff. Great talking ball with you. Good luck tonight. And I'll certainly be keeping an eye out for how you and the team are going this season. Yeah, thank you, man. That was Richard Graves, my buddy and Dallas Cowboy expert. Talking Dallas Cowboys.
Man, I'm going to tell you something. I love having Richard on the show because you talk about a guy that's dialed into the Cowboys. I mean, he he, he can't hide his Cowboy fandom, but I'll tell you what, you, you, want, you want to talk about Cowboys, there's your guy right there. He might be the biggest Cowboys fan in the UK. I'm probably going to get done for saying that by somebody, but uh, yeah, always great to hear Richard's insights and it, it's just it's such a different uh, way of doing it. And, very enjoyable chat again just sit and listen to it and i'm looking forward to seeing how the cowboys can do this season i think that division is going to be interesting as it always is always there's plenty of drama wherever the cowboys are involved uh i gotta run buddy i got uh, we've got a, a special teams meeting coming up and then we're gonna climb on the bus and go see uh, go see if we can kick this thing off and and uh, get a w Yes, sir. The Hall of Fame game is on Sky tonight. Jeff's Hamilton Tiger Cats are on BT Sport ESPN from 1.30. I'm going to be watching and I'm going to be FaceTiming Jeff after. Make sure you tune in if you can or if you want to sleep, record it and watch it in the morning. But Jeff, until next week, man, yeah. All right. I appreciate you, brother. Take care. Let's keep talking ball, baby. Yes, sir. See you next week, folks.